Welcome back, everyone, to the Practicology Podcast, where we believe that the Bible belongs not just by the pile of commentaries, but also by that stack of dirty dishes, too. I want to introduce my guest today. He is someone I count as a friend, as an encourager, as a very faithful Practicology listener and supporter. Uh, I can't help but smile whenever I think of him. I can't help but look up to him, even though he does have a reputation of being a bit goofy at times. Uh, He and I, for instance, both were at a wedding together. We each had a role to play at that wedding. And believe it or not, my guest, who I'm going to introduce to you in a second, showed up with a ukulele. And yes, he did look and sound a little bit like Adventure and Odyssey's Eugene Melsner. Peter Thiessen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mike. I am thrilled to be here. Um, I am a huge fan of the Practicology Podcast, huge supporter, and um, it's yeah, it's a little unreal actually to be recording this that wedding that you referred to. This is my uh, claim to fame regarding the uh, Practicology Podcast, in that I am a cousin of Allison Chapman, formerly Allison Flint. So there's my shameless uh, name dropping (laughs) for her. I'm sure she'll be thrilled. But yeah, it's true. There was a ukulele present at that wedding. Yes, it was was classic. It was wonderful. It was fun. Um, In episodes 126 to 129, we talked a lot about getting guidance from God. We talked about the will of God. And we, we did that in the context of working through Psalm 25. And, and that was a joy to work through that Psalm together. But we did get some emails from people that showed that the series wasn't just joyful. It also raised some painful memories and painful questions because following the Lord is not always easy. And we can pray and wait on the Lord about big decisions in our lives. And yet that's no guarantee that things will work out just the way we want them to. In fact, we can do all this praying and and seeking counsel from others and following biblical principles and still find ourselves in a place that to those around us looks like failure. And and that's why I guess for several months now, I've wanted you to join us here, Peter. I think you have a story that will encourage us and instruct us. And so listeners, please don't expect a typical practicology episode here. I haven't asked Peter to, to work through a Bible passage or, you know, teach through a topic although he would be very capable of that. But what I've asked him to do is is share about God's grace in his life as he's wrestled with career choices and the will of God and so on. So Peter, just to to get us started, maybe I can ask you a question. Um, What are you not doing these days? Yeah, great question, Mike. Uh, While there are many things that I'm not doing and probably a few that I should be, um, probably the most relevant qu- answer to that question is I am not teaching in a classroom setting. And that's significant because people keep assuming you're a teacher, right? <laughs> so there is some basis to that. Uh, I mean, for a very long time, it felt like that was, um, that was my plan. That was what I expected I'd be doing. You know, not just doing right now, but kind of doing for the rest of my life. Uh, and so people who knew me pre-2019 um, still occasionally ask uh, if, I'm, if I'm teaching yet or, or doing that sort of thing. So, yeah, let's back up then, Peter. Uh, listeners, this is a very crucial part of Peter's story. So, Peter, I don't know, as a teenager or something, you, you had a, a dream, a desire to be a teacher. You went into post-secondary to study with that in mind. 
and uh, why don't you take it from there? Uh, what happened? How did it go? Um, how is it that you're no, not teaching right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Just uh, a word of caution, perhaps, to the listeners. It is a bit of a longer story. Um, I have tried to condense it to a, a reasonable length, um, but I'm not known for being very concise, so I ask for your patience and your grace. But yeah, uh, it, it's funny, it wasn't really a lifelong dream to be a teacher. Uh, I didn't really have strong ideas of what I wanted to do growing up, necessarily. I mean, I had lots of things I wanted to do, but um, none of them really as my like dream job um, forever. Until one night in... I, I was in grade 11 at the time, I think, and it wasn't even a suggestion. It was a question. Um, someone asked what I wanted to do, and I said, just kind of vaguely, because I, I didn't really know, um, like, well, something to do with kids, I think, and because I, I was really interested in working with children, and so they asked, like, a teacher? And I said, well, no... Well, maybe. And, and honestly, that was it. Yeah. That's and what I expected. And as you got into university, uh, you like being a student, right? So, so you excelled in the early years. Uh, I'm guessing you, you probably did very well in your coursework. Um, but, but it wasn't just, you know, to become a teacher, you don't just be a student. You don't just sit in classrooms. You actually have to get up and teach in a classroom too, right? So uh, what happened to sort of throw a wrench in your plans. Yeah, for sure. And I did try to get some experience. Um, so this was one ironic thing that people sometimes were surprised at. So I was actually homeschooled, um, which may or may not be relevant, but I thought I should probably get some experience in a classroom just to see if I like it. So I volunteered for a couple of years at a school in Portage and loved it. I thought it was fabulous. And so then I went through the, the program here in Manitoba. And you're right. I loved being a student. I loved learning. Um, so that part was easy. And then in, my, in, in Manitoba, it's, it's an after degree um, that you can get. So in that part of the program, then you had your classwork and then you have your student teaching placements. So I had uh, my first placement. Uh, I was at a school in Winnipeg and uh, it was a lot of work. Like it was, it was challenging, um, but, you know, we got through it. And, you know, there were things that's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you should probably improve in this area and yeah we, we've got areas to grow in and I thought that was just part of the normal progression I thought that was just like the trajectory that was expected or normal but then we got to my second year and at that point it became a lot more apparent that not only was I struggling in like normal ways but I actually was quite a bit off course of where I was supposed to be in like to a degree that I hadn't realized it, it really surprised me and 
the the teacher that I worked with, it, it was a very different environment. Like I didn't realize until that second year <laughs> what a poor experience my first year had been. Um, and I, I, I struggled with this a little bit because, um, it's kind of a combination of like my own personal weaknesses, um, which became very apparent. Uh, and I'll, I'll mention that in a little bit, but, um, also there were some organizational things that just didn't set me up well. So the teacher that I worked with, well, First of all, the university forgot to tell the school I was coming. <laughs> That's a bad so, start. Yeah, yeah, kind of a, a rough way to begin there. Um, so like my first day, I'm emailing the school to say, hey, I'm coming. And they, they said, uh, the university didn't let us know. So anyway, that was a bit of a communication breakdown. So anyway, they found someone. But it was his first year with a student teacher. And honestly not someone that i would really aspire to be like i didn't really notice that until like i was well into the year and unfortunately instead of you know pushing me to be better um like saying hey peter like this isn't good enough you need to improve in these areas he would kind of cover for me and it's that that sort of like false kindness um uh, where it felt like it was good at the time, but uh, it actually ended up really, really being damaging. So mm -hmm. in my second year, uh, I'm in a really good school with a really great mentor, um, like someone very highly respected in the school, um, respected by other teachers. And she's like, Peter, like this is not good enough. So I really struggled with organization. I And that that's something that, had been true all through my university life but up till that point i could cover it with um i i had fairly decent writing skills so i could i could write well enough to cover the fact that i had not been working on it for super long that it was a bit of a rushed project um but i couldn't do that anymore and so I needed to I needed to learn those skills, but unfortunately I I needed to pick them up really fast, kind of while I'm on the job. So that was that was a real challenge. Mm -hmm. um, so by this time you are you finish your first degree, you're in your second year of the next phase of this, which is specific to you know becoming a teacher. You've got your first year under your belt. You know every indication was you know this is going to work out second year the alarm bells are going off and uh there's some red flags coming up and i'm sure that that was difficult to to deal with peter um and was there a particular moment where it all kind of came crashing down yeah so it did um there was a day and it like i i knew things weren't going super well like i I had enough self-awareness to know that um, I wasn't being very successful, that there were some struggles. It, it was a little bit tense that way. Um, but then in December, this is December 2018, my faculty advisor, so the person representing the university, 
who um, we're, we're kind of a team of three. So it's that person, the cooperating teacher whose class I'm in, and then myself. Um, so she had a meeting with me and essentially said that I was not meeting the criteria required to pass. And so there were a couple of options I could take at that point, and I won't you know, go into the technical details of the academic side of it, but um, the end result was I was not going to graduate that year. So it was, it was crushing. To this day, that, that rates as one of the worst and hardest days of my life. And then like, I went from that meeting, like just the one-on-one -on -one with her, uh, I had to go to a staff meeting and just sit there. Uh, meanwhile, like my world has fallen apart, um, and just listen to this discussion about policies. <laughs> it, uh, it was yeah, that was a bit of a blur. So that was that was a tough, tough moment. Yeah, and and so what did you do next, Peter? So. Um, still kind of in shock trying to process um like what this means so it's like okay well my plan was you know you graduate in i believe it was may so then you come back and you do some substitute teaching hopefully line up an, a new job for september um well that's done like that is no longer my plan because i can't um so trying to wrap your head around that trying to wrap your head around, okay, well, what do I do, like, right now? Um, and then how do I tell people when I'm, like, what, what am I going to tell people? Because they're going to ask. Because people do, right? And, and it's not that they're trying to be mean. Like, it's just the people want to know. They're interested in how you're doing. So, uh -huh. But, you know, I don't know if you've been in that situation where you ask, hey, how's it going? And you find out, like, a person's world has just fallen apart. Uh, it's a little bit awkward. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, oops. Yeah. I, I'm really sorry about that. Um, and so just trying to figure out how I was going to tell people. Um, so I went back to my friend's house who I was, I was living with at the time. I uh, just kind of sat for a while. Um, and then my parents were both out in Saskatchewan at the time. My grandma was having some health issues. Um, my dad was on his way back. So I ended up calling them separately just to, to update them about that situation. Those were not fun phone calls. Not, not, that, any, not that, that they had any issue with it. Um, like not, not that they were hard on me in that sense but it's just the feeling of disappointing uh -huh. someone um especially people who are as important to me as my own parents um who like been with me supporting me through the journey and now i have to tell them that i'm not doing good enough to pass uh -huh. so that was that was not fun to say and again my my parents are great so that was yeah, no yeah. Fault of their own, just... I mean, it's because your parents are great that it's hard to tell them, right? Like, you you, uh, you wanted to impress them, and you wanted to be uh, a success in this endeavor, mm -hmm. and uh, none of us, none of us, 
you know, it, it's so hard to fail. It's so hard to have to open our mouth and, and say, uh, I'm not able to do this. That's, that's brutal. Yeah. One thing I wanted to note, just one, one memory from that time um, that really stuck out to me is, so after I had that meeting with my advisor, um, and it was, it, it, it was an emotional time for both of us. Like she said, as we were wrapping up, she's like, "Ugh, I feel like I could cry. I'm like, well, that makes two of us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I said it like that too. <laughs> um, but afterwards, when I told the teacher that I worked with and the principal of the school, when I said, all right, well, this happened. Um, so I am now choosing to go this direction. Um, the technical term is I, I withdrew from the practicum. And anyway, I won't go into details about what that means, but you're allowed to withdraw from each practicum once. And both of them asked me, how do you feel about that? And it really stuck out to me because they knew that I wasn't meeting the expectations. They, they were the ones who had concerns. Um, like they knew that I wasn't doing a good enough job, but they asked me how I felt or what I thought. Uh, it was really powerful. And then they listened. So that, that's one thing that I've tried to take and use in my own life since like, mm -hmm. when, when somebody drops something like that, um, instead of rushing to answer or console um, or problem solve, just asking, so how do you feel about that? Um, so anyway, that's one sort of side memory, but it, it was really powerful in the moment. So yeah, then, uh, <laughs> then life goes on. Um, and the next semester, so this was in the fall, so then I have to do the next semester and, you know, you get back to school and meet up with your classmates again and let them know, okay, actually, I'm not going to be graduating with you. They decide there were some things that I need to work on. I did ask to stay at that school because I knew that it was a really good team. They were positive. They had high expectations and they would push you to get there. But I knew they cared. So I stayed with them. So at this point, Peter, you're thinking, I mean, I need to repeat practicum three, but I'm still going to be a teacher that this is still going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first seeds of like wondering started to happen um, kind of over the Christmas break that year. It seems like that's kind of when I started to wonder, like maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Uh, maybe that's not God's will for me, but I'm, I'm there right now, so let's keep going and just see if we can turn it around. So there were a couple of... It had a rough start. Um, it didn't... Because as you, as you might expect, um, problems don't usually just resolve themselves immediately. So you can't go from being very disorganized and unstructured to suddenly you're very organized and structured. Um, it just doesn't work that way. So the first bit was a struggle. And then um, with the help of my team, the 
the advisor and the uh, teacher that I was working with, we were actually able to turn it around. Um, I worked harder, I think, than I have ever worked at anything in my life before or since. By God's grace, we, we were able to have actually a successful end of that practicum. And at the end of it, I remember talking with the advisor. We were really pleased with how it had ended, um, that it wasn't just kind of a hanging on by your fingernails type thing, but like real progress had been made and that I, I could be pleased with the results. If that's where it ended, I, I could be satisfied. So we turned it around. Um, so obviously things are going to be good now, right? So, uh, so full steam ahead. Uh, I had a summer job that year that was sort of like a summer school type program. Um, so I got my own little class that I got to work with uh, in Winnipeg. So I was doing that, kind of refining some of my organizational skills, some of my teaching skills, um, classroom management. And um, then I found out that I got a placement for the fall. So this is now fall 2019. And uh, my placement was going to be in Portage. So in the Portage La Prairie School Division, so my hometown, we started off really, really well. I was very impressed by the teacher that I was working with. Her intentionality just in her, her planning choices was unlike anything I, I had ever seen. Just like she was so intentional uh, and like a real inspiration that way. I didn't have many classes because most of my courses had finished the year before. So I was able to be at the school more often than, um, than normal. And so because of that, I started taking on extra responsibility earlier than, I no than a student normally would. And then by the end of September, she pulled me aside and said, hey, this isn't good. Uh, we're seeing problems and my heart sank. And I'm like, I thought we fixed this. I thought that we overcame those difficulties. Like, I, I thought we were past this now. And apparently we're not. So now what? So anyway, lots of meetings, lots of discussions with university staff, um, university supports, just trying to figure out where, where the problems l l lay like where, where they were, um, why, why I was struggling. And that was one of the tougher things. I'm like, I can't, I can't pinpoint a thing hmm. that isn't working. I just know the end result is not working. So then I'm back to that just kind of constant anxiety of just, what do I do next? How do I fix this? So anyway, lots of Meetings and what was really frustrating, um, among other things, but one of the things that was really frustrating was I would get to a point where I would say, okay, I, I just wish someone would tell me to stop. But what would always happen is they would say something like, yeah, you've got to, 
something there. Like I remember one of the university staff saying that. It's like, yeah, you've got, you've got something. And I'm like, don't tell me that. Like, don't tell me that there's yeah. like this glimmer of hope um, when every other sign seems to be pointing against that. And like, I don't know. I don't know what I want now. Like, I don't know if I want to get better or if I want to give up. Um, and man, that was, that was tough. Like describing it afterwards to, uh, a friend of mine, she put it this way, you know, it's kind of that question of, is this a hurdle or is it a brick wall? You know, is it a challenge to be overcome or is it actually that this isn't the way to go? It is a dead end. Uh, and man, sorting through that, just, it, it never ended. Um, so lots of, lots of thinking, lots of uh, praying about that, and, and lots of working too, let's be honest. Um, and it was so dynamic too, like it would change from week to week. Like never, never getting really good, but it would go from like really terrible to like somewhat better. Um, <laughs> so there's kind of that range um, until finally it was, we were about to start the actual practicum, which is about, it's about five to seven weeks, if my memory's correct. And I just couldn't do it. Um, so eventually what, what made the decision was I, I took a step back and said, you know what? I'm miserable. Like, I hate this. <laughs> and, um, like I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm spent, like I'm up all night working on lesson plans that don't work. Um, like if, if it had produced results, like if there had been something positive in the classroom, I might've been able to carry on. Um, which is a little scary to actually to think about that. Um, but it didn't like I was working so hard without the results and I didn't have time for my family. Didn't have time for my friends. Um, no time for my local church. Um, like just all the things that were really important to me were consumed. Like I, I just didn't have anything left to give them. And then I thought, you know, do I actually want to live like this going forward? Like, is this actually what I want to do for a job? Um, and so I decided, no, like that's, that's not actually what I want. Like, this isn't the way I want to live. So Remembrance Day 2019, I sent an email um, to my advisors at the university and to the teacher and the principal that I was working with and just said that I would be withdrawing from practicum for now and um, take an extended leave. So instead of coming back in January and trying to figure out something then, I'm like, no, I'm waiting till next September and I'll just I'll do something in the next 10 months. Like, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be, but, um, I'll do, I'll do something. And so yeah. that was, in my opinion, that was the moment I left 
teaching. Um, there's a little bit that came after that, but that was kind of where it ended. Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, I remember you and I talking about <clears throat> this story at, uh, we were working together at Becky's uh, camp at uh, Amaranth, Manitoba. And um, I, I remember very vividly uh, what, what I thought of as a moment of bravery <laughs> in your life. And I, I think it was you were, you know, at a crossroads as to whether you would finish this degree mm-hmm. or not. And it seems to me, you know, as I remember, you, you made a very courageous choice. And, and then I, I also remember um, a moment where I, I just was, it really struck me emotionally how your dad um, encouraged you on a really tough morning. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah. And, and ultimately the Lord. Uh, yeah. can, can, you, can you take us to either of those two places? I, I always wanted to finish. Um, and I, I had hoped that if the Lord would allow me to, that I could. I, yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted to finish even just to, to show that I can do hard things and especially that the Lord can do hard things through me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that memory. The other one that you mentioned, yeah, that's, that's been a really key one for me. Um, and apologies in advance. I, I do sometimes get emotional talking about it. Uh, I, I'm an emotional person in general. I don't know if uh, anyone's picking up on that. But, um, <laughs> That's <laughs> part of what I appreciate about you, Peter. And, uh, and I, I, I don't want you to apologize for it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah. So what ended up being the last day that I taught at that placement in Portage. Um, I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, um, like most significant moments you don't realize in the moment. Um, but yeah, it ended up being the last day that I taught the last day really that I saw myself as a teacher. I'd spent most of the night working on my plans, just kind of in like half sleeping on the couch, like for chunks of time you wake up you start working on the project again and as i'm kind of pulling myself together um i didn't really need to wake up because i hadn't really slept um but i'm just trying to get stuff put together and planned and um rushing around now because it's just about time to leave and uh, at the time my dad's schedule allowed him to um, be home at that time of the day. And so he and my mom would often eat breakfast together and pray together at that time. And I just remember as I'm like flying around, super high anxiety, just like worried about the day, stressed to the max. Um, and I remember him praying for me and just praying that the Lord would be with me, that I would have a good day. And man, that man, that touched me. Really showed the impact, I think, of parents praying, and not, not just praying, but letting your kids know that you're praying. Um, man, that, that was really powerful. And then, then I got in my car, and 
I was like, well, I didn't have time to read the Bible this morning, so I better listen to it so I can at least get some spiritual mm -hmm. food. And my app wouldn't work. <laughs> the, the Bible record. I'm like, I'm such a failure. My Bible app won't even work for me today. <laughs> um, so that was, that was the attitude I'm going off on. I'm like, well, fine, listen to the radio. There's a Christian station out of Winnipeg that plays... I'll, I'll at least get something like they read a verse every once in a while maybe maybe that'll play um and as i'm driving down there was a song that came on and uh mike you know this very well but uh music is a big part of my life uh -huh. big big fan and there was a song that came on that just summed up so well what i was feeling the first verse said wishing i could see the finish line where it ends, where it lands. Guess I lost my vision when the pain set in. And I'm just like, that's me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. Uh, I just want to know where it ends. And then it, uh, it asks, can I believe when I can't see? Can I really let it be out of my hands? Because it's out of my hands. And the chorus to this beautiful song that played that morning is, I... This isn't what I'd choose, but it's where I'm finding you. I'm broken and undone. Your mercy's just begun. You have overcome my doubt. Your hands are reaching out. You hold me through the storm and I will fear no more. And I'm driving to what, again, what ended up being the last day of me teaching. And I'm just sobbing. Just that, that idea that, I don't have to be afraid. God's holding me, and he loves me, and I don't have to know. And uh, I still don't have to know, even today. Even though my path has, has gone uh, very differently than I expected, but I don't have to fear. You hold me through the storm. I will fear no more. You talked earlier, Peter, about having to explain to people um, this weird sensation, right, of not being able to figure out if this thing in front of you was a hurdle or a wall. And, and so I can picture you sometimes getting up higher on it, you know, and, and, and you feel like, okay, maybe, maybe this is a hurdle, I'm getting over it. And then other times falling down and, oh no, it's a wall. And then, uh, yeah, just to just to match that to the lyric you just quoted there um something about you know i wish i could see the finish line and uh not knowing is this a hurdle or a wall not knowing what's on the other side and uh and trying to slip up trying to to get get over that thing but then coming to a moment of of um joyous submission you know can I believe when I can't see? And you learned in that moment that you could believe when you couldn't see. And that, I guess back to that first episode in our Psalm 25 series, that, that there was something better than getting guidance, and that was to get God. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, you, the, the classic question, would you do it again? Um, and yeah, I'm certainly in no 
hurry to get back to that type of stress and uncertainty. But I, I did learn God's faithfulness in a way that I hadn't learned before. And I, I saw that he is able to hold me um, even when, like, one of my most cherished dreams, um, like, one of, like, this was my life plan. Um, like, this is what I was going to do for the next 30 years um, when it's, when, like, the, the bottom's falling out on that. So I, I definitely wouldn't trade that. Well, Peter, thank you for taking us along with you for the ride uh, that this has been in this episode, uh, kind of traveling over some painful ground in, in your story and allowing us to, to see it and, and even to see it from inside a little bit. Um, again, my, you're, you're telling us that moment when you overheard your dad and mom praying. Uh, it, it, it's powerful for me. And um, it makes me think of the truth that our Lord Jesus intercedes for us, right? And and it's so powerful for you to hear your dad doing that, but but there's a sense in which we can overhear our Lord Jesus doing that for us. And uh, how much more powerful is is the knowledge of that, that our Lord, he whispers our name, our name crosses his lips as he intercedes for us. So um, I feel like this is a good spot to stop this first episode. We've, we've seen uh, some of the difficulties and we, we want you to come back though, Peter, because the story's hanging right now. Um, did you ever finish that, that second degree? And did the Lord ever provide you some work that you could do well and with joy and not having to stay up all night to prepare a plan that wouldn't even work the next day anyways? So we wanna get you back and, and we wanna find hear some resolution and, uh, and hear what you've learned and, and I just feel like there's a whole lot more here that, that you have to give us. So thank you for sharing this first part. And we look forward to having you back for the next part. Thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, I'll look forward to being with you then. All right. Till then, the Lord bless you, everyone. <laughs>